Welcome back, guys, to the Relay uh, Bitcoin session. Today we have an amazing guest, uh, Jeff Booth. I'm really uh, uh, honored and excited to uh, speak to him. Obviously, Jeff Booth in the US and probably in, in, in uh, most parts of the world and also on Bitcoin Twitter, he doesn't need any introduction, but maybe we have some uh, people here, especially Europeans who might not be deep into the Bitcoin space yet, who uh, would like to uh, get some more uh, insights and background on who Jeff Booth is. Uh, just to, to tell you guys, I mean, Jeff Booth is really an amazing serial entrepreneur, board member. He's doing so much, uh, in, so many interesting things that we probably don't have uh, time to talk about all of them. But for a, for a couple of years, I guess he is into Bitcoin. He's a very influential guy, especially on Twitter as well. He has a quarter of a million uh, Twitter followers and he has very uh, very nice, very uh, sophisticated also tweets um, on Bitcoin and inflation and uh, why Bitcoin is the savings technology of the 21st century. Um, and he also wrote a book, which he obviously will tell a little bit about. It's called The Price of Tomorrow that talks about uh, inflation and, uh, and how basically uh, we will look at these things in the next couple of years and how things will unfold together with Bitcoin. And so, yeah, thank you very much for being here, Jeff. It's an honor. Maybe uh, introduce yourself real quick. Yeah, thanks for having me. My introduction is going to be faster than yours. Um, I'm, an, I'm an entrepreneur, um, started, started running a bunch of different companies on boards uh, and, and such, mainly in technology. Um, and through that lens, uh, I couldn't understand why if technology is drive is so efficient and is driving so much efficiency in the world, why prices weren't coming down. And so, and it was bugging me, it was bugging me for about 10 years. And so I decided to write a book, um, investigating why that was the case, what the, and, and what the repercussions for society and, and were, uh, what met, what's going to happen as a result of that fight, that epic fight of two great forces fighting into each other. One, an inflationary monetary policy that we've always known and we live in, and one technology that is supposed to free our time. And those two forces can't, uh, can't coexist. And, and so I wrote about, because, and I was worried about what my, what the, the way my kids would grow up in society yeah, without kind of investigating what was happening at a deeper level than most people are willing to take a look at. And so I wrote a book and that was published January of 2020. It's called The Price of Tomorrow, Why Deflation is Key to an Abundant Future. Um, and it talks about a lot of what we're seeing around the world right now. Um, so it's a, if you understand th those two great forces and what is likely to happen as a result of this fight um, to us, you understand a lot. It's a really good view to what's happening in the world. So the two forces being one is kind of the ongoing inflation that happens through uh, debasements of currencies or through uh, money printing. Um, so that basically uh, $1 is not uh, worth as much today as it was 10 or 20 years ago. And that's why prices actually actually are, are rising, like asset prices, prices for products, whatever, and goods. Um, so there, 
the prices are kind of, are kind of rising, but the, the second force would be technology that makes everything basically more efficient and abundant. So a lot of things are automated, a lot of things are digitized. Um, it's very easy today to set up a website, to set up a business, to, um, you know, you don't need as much uh, uh, labor and, and production um, uh, infrastructure to do to do things. That's why things should actually become cheaper. And so can you help us understand kind of things, some things are uh, actually getting cheaper. So for example, uh, a television today costs less than 10 years ago, right? Whereas, uh, for example, um, real estate obviously costs way more now than 10 years ago. So how, how, can we, how can we understand this? What are the forces behind these things? So, so I think it's really important here, and a lot of people miss that, that, that what you're talking about and get caught into breaking down the components of GDP to see which ones are falling and which ones are rising. And yes, that would be one way to say money printing is causing people to race to hold assets, and those are rising faster than, than other things. So that'd be, but, the, but the truth is the cost of your TV should be way less because you're measuring that TV, even though it's, it gives you more power, you're measuring it in dollars that are way worth way less today. So it's actually fallen a lot more. So then, um, so so it's way more important to say what's actually happened. So so you have an inflationary monetary policy, is, and we all live in that inflationary policy, and we don't question it. And think about what inflation is. Inflation is we've designed a society. So we must have our money worth less each year. And all inflation is, is theft. It's theft from middle class and poor to the rich because the rich have more assets and those assets rise with it and the middle class and poor, poor get, get, get their pockets picked. So we have theft in the base of money. And, and, we, and we all believe that 2% theft is okay. We, and, and so a lot of people miss that point. And, and, and so what rate, what rate of theft is okay? Is 5% theft okay? Is 10% theft okay? 2%? What, it, 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 so theft is theft. So, so, but ultimately, we didn't see it because the world in which we grew up in moved slower. So 2% inflation, um, we didn't see what was happening as fast as technology was moving. But then technology is speeding up. It's moving faster and faster and faster. And what that technology wants to do is give you more for less. So a, a, way, a way better example than your TV is this phone. 20 years ago, it was only a phone. It could only make phone calls. Look at the home screen or your apps and virtually everything's free on it. It's way more. It's a, it's a computer device. It's your it's your voice memos. It's it's your AI assistant. It's your my guitar tuner. It's so many other things. Maps. Everything is displaced, and that is giving us ultimate power with no very little cost. And so so that and and that that cost that you're paying today is an inflated rate for that cost. It's not the it's not the it's not what it would look like without money printing. And so you have to ask yourself an investigation, and this is one of the things I went into in my book. What I realized is, this is these numbers are pre-COVID. So these all numbers are pre-COVID. What I realized is there's $250 trillion of global debt to support 
at a global economy of 80 trillion, of an approximately 80 trillion. And if you're an inquiring mind, you'd say, okay, is, it, is there any possibility of ever paying back that global debt? Um, especially when technology wants to move the other way and, and give things for free. So, so, um, so, but number one, just assume what could you create that could repay that global debt? Because you'd have to have growth, a high rate of growth in the world for a long time to be able to pay back that debt if you were thinking normally. And, but, but that wasn't the, so that wasn't the smoking gun. What I realized is if technology was moving faster and faster and, and on an exponential pattern, then on the opposite side of the coin, we must see that debt expanding faster and faster as well to offset the technology. And so when I looked at the numbers in detail, what you realize is 185 trillion of the 250 came within the 20, last 20 years. And when you when you think about 185 trillion dollars, and that 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 drew, drove about 46 trillion dollars of growth. But when you think about essentially four dollars for every one dollar of growth, you realize you can never pay that back. It's getting worse and worse, and it's worse today than it was then. Than I wrote my book, and it'll be worse tomorrow. It'll be worse tomorrow. Essentially, you're monetizing, and so so there is no real economy because what people think about is. My, my house value keeps going up and up and up forever with, uh, without, without asking the question, what would my house be worth without $185 trillion of stimulus? Mm. And, and, and so we all live, but, but remember, we all measure a system by the system we live in. And that's an important thing. We, all the measurement, GDP, our house value, our cars, or everything we live in is measuring the system, but from the system. And from the system, you, it's hard to see what's happening. And that's why it's so confusing for people. Mm. And, and so if you go to a different level and you just ask yourself, should technology free our time? Isn't that why we use it? Then why are we trying to create more and more jobs forever by by manipulating money to, to essentially create slavery, modern day slavery, when technology wants to move the other way and free our time. Mm. And so those two great forces are really profound in our life today. And if you're at the top of that, if you're at the top of, if you have a whole bunch of assets, stocks, everything else, you're a beneficiary of that, that, that. And if you don't, you're getting your pocket picked. And so when you, when you look out at society and you realize, um, people are rising up. They're mad. They can't put their finger on what's wrong. This is what's wrong. These two great forces colliding into each other. Mm -hmm. Because the basic function, as I understood it, of uh, like national banks and, and central banks is to keep prices stable, right? But under these premises that you lay out here, this doesn't make sense. Prices shouldn't be stable. Why, why would they try to keep prices stable, right? Yeah, and, and, and build on that. So at 2% inflation, if you're measuring from zero, then maybe it's not picking your pocket as badly. But what if the, the, what if the real rate should be, it should be 20 years ago, the real rate, things should have been getting cheaper by 1% per year. And now they should be getting cheaper by 5% a year. 
And 2% inflation or 5% inflation isn't 5% inflation anymore. It's even if you trust the base level numbers that the governments are telling you, then it actually is probably double what that, that is because you're measuring off a negative five. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so what's, what's happening? And, 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 and if you just imagine these two systems moving further and further away from each other, one, one you have a, a feedback system that must keep on printing and um, to be able to pretend it's solvent. And the consequence of that is a divide between rich and poor and ever growing in, increase in inequality um, and essentially reset through revolution and war. That's a consequence of what's happening. And we've seen throughout history, we see that consequence repeat over and over and over again. Um, and the other, the other system wants to continue to bring bring prices down. And, 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 and most of the deflation from technology is not behind us, it's in front of us. So, so technology isn't slowing down. Technology is a look around. When you think about self-driving cars, how fast that's coming. If you think about robotics and if you think about 3D printing, and if you actually look at some of these industries, how fast they're moving, and what that means and um, going forward, if you think about artificial intelligence, how fast that's moving. And um, then, then you realize most of, the, m- most of the deflation is in front of us, yet governments could continue to drive inflation until their currencies break or revolution or riots on the street. That's, what's, that's where we are in the cycle. And do you think they they will be doing it? I mean, they're, they're, I don't really see another way how they could get out of this, that they're kind of stuck. They can't really get out of this anymore uh, because then the, there would be, uh, you know, economic stagnation or even, you know, uh, down, downturn and recession. Like, uh, <laughs> It's way worse than what you just said. Not economic stagflation or downturn or recession. If you think about, so if it, Think about how much money is being printed right now in the trillions around the world, in, in, in the tens of trillions around the world. And if you remove that stimulus, then, and you let the deflation happen, what you realize is the money is actually not there. What you realize is counterparty risk. And the reason you people think the money is there because they have a house that might, or let's call it an apartment building that might be worth $20 million dollars, and they have a $18 million dollar loan against it. But if you let deflation happen, that $20 million dollars that they think the um, apartment building is worth, it might be worth $2 million. And, they, and all of the money loaned against the, the people think is money, it, you might as well light it on fire, it's gone. It it's a house of card. It's a, it, the entire system is a house of card. And if you look at Evergrande in China, and if you look at if you look at some of this all around the world, that interconnected system is everywhere. And 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 all these banks have leverage against these loans. And the only way to keep it pretend to keep it going is make up more money to pretend to keep it going. And that's a and, and that making up new money to pretend to uh, to keep it going is that is is essentially theft of the of the greatest order. Um, so it, it's killing people's time. It's a, it, it's and 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 it's a recipe for disaster around around the world. But the problem is, 
you're right, it's too late. If you allow deflation to happen, everything resets. And I know we're going to get into Bitcoin here, um, it, it, but, but I've done a lot of research on, on this problem and looked for solutions all over. I was in Bitcoin prior to writing my book, but my book only has a paragraph on Bitcoin. And it was because I'm an open mind and I would look for other solutions. Are there any other possible solutions other than Bitcoin to be able to transition from one system to another? And I've come to the conclusion there isn't. <laughs> there, the, the, uh, Bitcoin is the only, I believe, in my opinion, I may be wrong, but in, and I'm looking all the time if there's anything else, but it is the only, or, or is the most peaceful transition from one system that can't let itself fail, that has to keep going this way, to another system, to another system that could provide abundance for humanity. Because we're going through a system change and, and 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 a pretty when I say pretty dramatic, I'm I, I'm I, I, I'm not being strong enough. This is a, a system change that humanity has never seen. Where 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 technology could allow most things to drop to free in the in in the future. Prices just keep coming down forever, and we've never seen that type of world before. And so we're trying to protect the world that we've always lived in and seen. And so it's a hard thing for our brains to even imagine and fathom, but, but, but it, doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that what I just said is true. Where technology is going, we must have a currency, that'll, a digitally native currency out of the hands of government that allows for deflation. Why is that out of the hands of government? Is governments will never allow that to happen. And mm -hmm. so, and if you look through history, they've never allowed that to happen. They'll always coordinate a currency, and 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 why? Because then they can promise society more than they can deliver through taxes. And and people will always vote them in. So it's based on a short term. I'll give you more. I'll lie to you, and give you more, by stealing more of your money through inflation. That's uh, that, that, that's why. And why and why do you think it, it is Bitcoin and it can't be anything else? And how do you see this transition going on? Like you say, it's going to be dramatic. Like what what should we kind of expect from the next ten years? Like is every national fiat currency just fucking hyperinflating and and it's going to be a rush into hard assets, especially Bitcoin? Like every nation state, every institution, every individual will want to get his or her head, uh, hands around at least some sets <laughs> so that they so, can... So, so my hope is that it happens on a more gradual basis, um, like it's happening now, what's, what's, happening, what's happening now. Um, but what ends up happening is, it again, both systems are reinforcing the opposite way, right? So they're both accelerating in opposite directions. And, and so one of the big challenges with technology um, and you might be young to, to understand, and you have a technology company that's helping onboard Bitcoin and everything else, which is fantastic. But you, but if you understand kind of technology generally and everything else, and I've been in this game for a long time, that 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 people don't predict the future; they predict the present forward. Mm -hmm. it, they don't predict 
what's the rate of change with technology and what will happen next on, on, on technology. So they predict everything stays the same. And, and remember, I don't know if you, Henry Ford said, if I asked people what they wanted, they would ask for a faster horse, mm-hmm. right? And that's actually what entrepreneurs do. They look at, wait, this doesn't make any sense this way. Technology can provide a better value, uh, better value in a different way. And, and they build to where the market's going. And so, so um, I, I even remember in this, in this phone, uh, when BlackBerry, which was a Canadian company where, where I'm from, a Canadian company, that everyone believed that the, the phone needed a keyboard. <laughs> BlackBerry was the global, global leader. Um, BlackBerry is almost non-existent more mm-hmm. today because, uh, because of a different idea. And, and I'm going to go maybe a little bit more philosophical, but it's not, uh, but it's probably important to understand. Every single thing you experience in the world was an idea first. Mm. From this phone to the system of government that we live in, to the system and inflationary monetary, it's a, it's a, it's a belief system and an idea. And a lot of times entrepreneurs see a different idea. And they build to a new belief system. And as a society understands that belief system and more and more people come on, the world changes. Mm-hmm. That's what we're seeing in Bitcoin today. It, more and more people. So you have a network effect on Bitcoin um, that is growing. Um, and if you measured that network effect, you would look at where Bitcoin is today. Would you go back to 1998 in the in the internet? So... So people misjudged what would come. Remember, Google didn't start till 2000, Facebook not till 2008. Most of the value, even though the internet as we know it launched in 1989, most of the value didn't come for another 10 years, and then it started to explode. Mm. And most of the people that were talking about the internet at that time missed what was happening. Most of the global leaders at that time are no longer the global leaders. They've been replaced with new leaders who understood the power of the internet and built to it. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, the rest of it. So what, what was happening with technology? That's what Bitcoin is. That's what's happening on Bitcoin. It's actually matching that rate of growth of users and those, and call it that emergent belief system, all of us believing in something that can, can free our time and deliver a better society are onboarding at a rate that is matching the internet. And so if, if most of the value came after 10 years in, in the internet, as everything got, you could project just from that what's going to happen on Bitcoin over the next 10 years. Mm. But, what, but what, what, I would say, what I would say, to avoid the worst case of one system breaking down in a complete collapse, it's important that people and, and I, I think what you do in your company in Europe is, is important too, because, because people need to get off zero. They need to start to understand this asset class and why it's way more important than the money they can make. Um, they, they'll probably make a bunch of money too, but it's way more important than the money they'll, uh, they'll make. And, and so onboarding uh, more people to it is an important, uh, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. So you're comparing Bitcoin to the internet, which happens a lot. Like people say that uh, uh, Bitcoin is the internet of money, uh, where it, the internet is probably, it, it was the network of information. 
Um, and uh, and so and and then, but but if you say like Bitcoin was was invented 11 or released 11, 12 years ago, and now it appreciated from like 10 cents to 50, 60 k, where, where where we are at now, um, and and then still you are saying telling to people that we are in 1998 and the big chunk of value is still being. Uh, being is still in front of us, and then also what you touched on is this is a thought of you know the next Amazon, the next Google, the next Facebook, which we also tweeted a, a little bit about, or you tweeted about, and I uh, um, answered you. So I maybe just quote the tweet real quick, and then you can start unpacking these thoughts. Sure. Uh, so Jeff tweeted second uh, of um, October twenty one. Imagine investing in the internet itself rather than the companies like Amazon, Google, Apple, Facebook built by capitalizing on the advantages. That is Bitcoin. So the internet is Bitcoin. Uh, the value created on top of Bitcoin is the next wave, which you are probably now talking about this next value creation. And it only is and is only just beginning. Act accordingly. Quote end. <laughs> so yeah. like now how how can you explain to people that all the value, how how will all this value still like come through? Will it be companies like uh, like Amazon, Google and Facebook, or will it be like second layer technologies? Will it be ICO and DeFi and NFT use cases on Bitcoin? Or what 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 is it? What is this gonna look like? So I I wouldn't want to I, it could look at a whole bunch of different ways, uh, but but let's first say Bitcoin itself has already one store of value, right? And let's use Ethereum as an example and all the other coins as an example um, to, to unpack what I'm, uh, uh, I'm saying. So before Bitcoin could do contracts and be, before Bitcoin had layer two technology like Lightning and, and such, uh, then, then Ethereum could come out and see, wow, there's been this rapid rise of Bitcoin and we could create something that could do other things and call it a global computer and, and people will deliver a lot of value in that ecosystem. It makes sense, right? Yep. And Bitcoin could not do that job because security of the network, security was more important to, to secure the network so transaction time has, had to be had, had to be slow. That was the primary job of Bitcoin, and so so Ethereum and other coins kind of said they would do that job. And NFTs and others grew on top of on top of that. And I don't know if I see a ton of value there, but but let's say, just assume some people are. Um, but but now that layer two technology, layer three technologies are built on top of Bitcoin. It's hard to see any of these alternative coins right. surviving long term, because now you have two network effects that are feeding back on each other, and and they they disrupt the model that Ethereum has and all the other alt uh, coins have. They disrupt it, and from the base layer, from an immutable base layer that is uncorruptible, and and now you can build layer two solutions. So that tweet that I was talking about. I was talking about the layer two solutions, all of the ecosystem that's built on top of the primary layer. So if you have a primary layer that's bulletproof, like use the internet as an example, you have a primary layer that's bulletproof all around the globe and it decentralizes information and everybody can use it. Now on top of that uh, bulletproof um, 
infrastructure, an entire infrastructure evolves. That's what Bitcoin is, and layer two, layer three solutions on top of it are that entire uh, ecosystem. If you look at your own company as an example, your company is one company in a sea of companies trying to add value to people's lives by by creating really great UX or system or ease of use to access that bottom layer. Mm. And and let's use another example. So so and you know this from my my book. Most platform power, monopoly platform power. What most people think it comes is from user uh, from the users. It actually doesn't. It comes from suppliers. So the more suppliers that are competing against a platform, let's use YouTube, billions, billions of people trying to create videos or TikTok or anything else, mm. the more of those videos there are, the more users show up. Mm -hmm. Because most of the videos never get seen. And there's always a there's always more content creators trying to be seen. To, and what they're trying to do is get a little bit of advertising revenue, a slice of advertising revenue from YouTube or, mm -hmm. or TikTok or anything else. And essentially they're selling their souls to advertisers, which control by YouTube to be able to get a tiny piece to get a bunch of views. Right? That's how Instagram works, Facebook works, YouTube works, mm -hmm. all, all, all of them. Um, by the way, the same thing works for Google, same thing works for Amazon, except for, for advertising. It's millions and millions of SKUs, product SKUs on Amazon competing for your attention. And the more more competition from supply means more more buyers show up. So that's the way the world looks today in all these platforms. Now think about what just just happened on 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 Twitter and Lightning with Jack Mahler's and and and, and Twitter. I can tip anybody in the world that has a Twitter account in their native currency like that instantly globally. And what that means is. Now, now content creators, whether you're a musician, whether you're a content creator, you actually have more power than you have through, through one of the platforms that's giving you a tiny piece of that pie. Now, today the world looks like all of those, those creators are on their own little islands trying to get views. And, it's hard, and, and, and that's, hard, that's hard to do. But if you think about what the, the power of just that platform allow, or the Lightning Network and Twitter allow, is a new type of Google, Amazon, Facebook that gives way more value to creators. Mm -hmm. And if they give way more value to creators, more creators will join that platform. And if, if all of these platforms are actually a result of way more creators, if more creators join platform like that, all the users will show up there too, and it'll create a network effect. So the amount of, the amount of value that is going to come on top of this, this primary layer of Bitcoin, secondary layer, it's, it's staggering. I just gave an example that mm. an entirely, entire new ecosystem is going to thrive. So you would even say that even you know, the internet as we know it today will move slowly but steadily on the Bitcoin network and the whole financial system will uh, move on the Bitcoin network and all these 
DeFi and NFT cases, all this kind of stuff, smart contracts, stuff like that, everything that kind of validates in the market that actually has a, a reason of being there will be on the Bitcoin blockchain at one point. And then the Bitcoin blockchain obviously is the most secure and the most stable. So why would you do an NFT or an ICO on any other chain that is weaker uh, than, you know, on the, on the, on the most um, and, and, and the one with the most security and most network effect and most, you know, which is the most decentralized and most open source. Uh, and then there will be companies on top. There will be, um, uh, as you say, content creators uh, building on those companies on top and stuff like that. So basically every, all, all the activity in the end, financial activity, entrepreneurial activity, content, everything that happens on the internet now will slowly but steadily move on this, on this Bitcoin network. It's actually why, if you look at it, why, if you look out and you say there's a whole bunch of people against it, or saying they're trying to slow it down, you 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 have to ask yourself, to what end and why? Like, why would why would you want to slow down a technology that is they're being made and irrelevant? They're disintermediate. Exactly. But why why specifically why would you want to slow down a technology? That empowers hum, uh, uh, humans. Mm -hmm. That it, it provides. Uh, no one wanted to slow down the internet, actually, and that's a lie. A lot of people did want to slow down the internet, mm -hmm. right? So, so the um, but but this technology, when you when you have a technology like this that is decentralized, um, nobody owns it. It, it. Control. If you have more Bitcoin wealth, it doesn't mean you control that network any more than. It. So nobody controls it. Nobody mm -hmm. can shut it down. Um, and and why? But but again, why would you want to stop a, a technology that provides abundance to humanity, an entire free market on top of it? And so so the people that are racing the other way to protect their existing uh, companies or value or or monetary system, it's a, it's a protection mechanism of what they have. And what's what's that? And if you if if people do a deeper dive on Bitcoin and what it is and everything else and see what what is going to come out of this uh, out of this system, what they'll what they'll get in and where the world's moving. And if you if you go to where the world's moving early, you'll have more of the advantage of where that you'll understand it better. You'll mm -hmm. see more opportunities. You'll see in, instead of fighting something that is bound to happen anyways, mm -hmm. you'll, people see way more opportunity there. And as you say in the tweet, that's actually fascinating is that when the internet came up, you could not invest in the internet. You could not own a piece of the internet, whereas now you actually can, right? This is a big, it's a big difference. So, and, big difference. Yeah. yeah, like, can you imagine owning a piece of the internet mm -hmm. and, and, and having a piece of all of the value that came on top of the internet? That's what, that's what owning a piece of Bitcoin is like. Mm -hmm. That's actually pretty crazy to, to think about. And then one million per coin doesn't look uh, as crazy anymore. <laughs> These numbers don't look crazy. Now, now keep in mind the numbers that people throw around on million coin, five million coin, ten million coin uh, per, per coin, which actually aren't crazy if you think about what what I think is going to happen. These numbers are from a system that must make those numbers higher. Again, right? Yeah. Right. So you're measuring you're measuring fiat currency. So people's mind is is in fiat currency instead of why would I ever sell this? If you think about it in Bitcoin value, everything forever will come down in price against Bitcoin. Mm. That's the way that is the better way to look at it. 
instead of, but it's hard. It's hard because, because we live in a system where we see all our prices, we measure the system by the system. So we want to have comparison for the value of the existing system instead of what the new system will mean. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't really know because it's a new measurement system. You don't know how to measure this measurement system, right? That's because right. when you measure it with USD, you don't really know whether uh, bit, the Bitcoin system is rising in value or the, or the USD is losing value. <laughs> the both has the same effect, right? So measure houses in Bitcoin. So last last year it would have uh, taken I don't know where where you are call it 20 Bitcoin to buy a, buy a house this year it costs four four or five Bitcoin to buy, mm -hmm. buy a house next year it'll co cost one or two that, that's the, but that in every single in every single kind of price measurement you're going to see the same thing against mm -hmm. Bitcoin. So when you, when we stick with the comparison of the internet and Bitcoin can you help me understand because you were actually there I wasn't yet. Um, or I actually not, at least not uh, consciously because I was a kid in the <laughs> 90s. Uh, so can you, can you help me understand how, how did this unfold when in like in the 80s, this thing called internet kind of arised and then in the 90s, it, it got more popular and then beginning of 2000, there was this big boom cycle and bust cycle as well again. And then only it really became what it is now with Uh, the Amazons and later the Facebooks and the Netflixes uh, of this world. So were there also because the internet is a protocol as well as as uh, the Bitcoin protocol. And now what we see with Bitcoin is there are many many protocols kind of competing, and this protocol is saying, oh, we are better in that. And there's there's a big competition of different protocols, and in the end, probably one or very few will make it. Uh, was that the same situation with the internet, or was there just the internet protocol? Yeah, no. So, so the internet, and it wasn't even in the 80s, really. It's called 89, the internet as we know it, kind of kind of outside of DARPA and, and uh, into the public space. Um, and, and at first it was it was only used as in the universities as a as a really I would say really bad email system. But even as a glimmer at that time, you could see just this communication medium changes everything. Now, it was early. It was really early that communication medium uh, ch changes everything. And so if you think about in, in even in 1997, you, if you tried to pull up an, an, an on a, uh, a modem, the, the speed of your internet, if you tried to download a photo or an, call it a video, you couldn't do it. It mm -hmm. took forever. It would stall. It would, if you, if you, If you opened up a page with a lot of graphics, it would take it would it would take forever to load. It would it would, it would stall out. So even at, during that time, it wasn't delivering the type of value we're talking about now. Now it's commonplace. It's it's everywhere. But that's a but that essentially communication medium that you could send and receive anywhere and show that had an entire ecosystem built on top of it, and the speed got greater and greater. Um, Uh, greater and greater to enable uh, enable that. Um, that same type of thing is happening on Bitcoin right now. So that same, if you think about how many people that you talk to today on Bitcoin, when I say it's an emergent phenomenon, we are all part of it, right? I, uh, the um, every one of us is a piece of that emergent phenomenon, either bringing on new people, talking about this, holding it, um, and, and and then. 
if you think about the UX today, if you think about multi-sig today, that wasn't there three years ago. Mm. wasn't uh, so there were there there was a the ux that to be able to onboard people five years ago on on bitcoin it was harder mm. uh, um, and it's getting easier and easier and easier and that as that ecosystem de develops around itself and that will continue but can you compare like this this thing is that the crypto versus bitcoin war basically that is going on and all these twelve thousand different currencies that are using hundreds of different blockchains, like different protocols. Was this situation there as well? Can we compare this to the internet or, or not? Yeah, so no, not that situation. And uh, so not specifically that situation. But one of the things that's important, and now I wrote, uh, you, you might want to put it in the show notes, um, but I, I wrote a piece called The Greatest Game. And you can find it up, people could find it on on Medium. Mm -hmm. And and I compare technology value, and or this is, uh, my way of looking at new technology companies, I invest in a bunch of technology companies on boards uh, on many. Um, but my way of kind of uh, for primary, one of the filters I would use is, um, does this idea give a 10x value to users? 10 times the value. Mm -hmm. why, why 10 times the value matters a lot is because of what you're talking about. If the idea doesn't give 10 times the value to users in a small market, not a giant market, then, then what ends up happening is, is the, um, the existing uh, monopoly will kill it. Either they'll, they'll make it harder, they'll, be, they'll either change their, change their game, they'll be able to, uh, or, or market it to death. So it, and it doesn't stand out enough so users don't tell their friends. So it doesn't have this viral comp uh, component into it. Mm -hmm. It's not as powerful. At the same time as that's happening, the, the, the incumbents are coming after that. If it has just a little bit of value, then a whole bunch of also rams try to compete against it. And it muddies the water and it takes a ton of marketing to try to convince somebody that my thing is better than somebody else's thing. Mm -hmm. So 10x value, if it doesn't have 10x value, it has very little chance of breaking through the noise today, today in the world. Um, now let's overlay what's happening in, in Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a kind of emergent invention, can, kind of comes out of field and has that 10x value, maybe 100x value on store or store value. And, and a lot of times, really small for a lot of time and people didn't understand it. Governments didn't understand what it was. It starts to gain steam, network effect, and create a lot of value. And now it's out a number of years and it's creating a ton of value. Um, it is highly likely in that type of, that if I could create an altcoin and do a pre-mine and say, I have 70% of the, the value and I'm going to come, I'm going to be like Bitcoin, but something else and create a marketing budget to sell my friends, my thing, my altcoin. I could try to skim off some of the value of Bitcoin and try to sell my, my friend as my, uh, my, my value. And you'd have a sea, uh, an entire ocean of people saying me too, me too, me too, because it's really easy to do mm. on a me too blockchain, but they don't look anything like Bitcoin. But I, but but you could create a market. You could create a marketing event. You could create some money. If people think they could get rich fast, 
you could create a whole bunch of short-term value there. And if you, if I think about the altcoin space, that's what it looks like mm -hmm. for, the, for the most part. Um, and, and so Bitcoin has stood the test of time and will stand the test of time. You're going to see in this next run up, I think the same thing that's going to diverge from all of, all of those. But I, I am only in Bitcoin and it's um, not, not specifically for the money because I don't, uh, um, because I don't think there is another, there, there, not I don't think, there isn't another coin I've seen that has both the ability in time and being able to, to do what Bitcoin's done that won't get co-opted by somebody to be able to transition humanity from one system to another. And it's that important that we transition from one system to another. Mm. When you say you're in Bitcoin only, is it your only your only investment is no, in no, Bitcoin, no. or like you 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 are are you into Bitcoin and and, and startups and some some alternative um, yeah, so investments, or are you also in stocks and real estate and like do you have a normal well, portfolio? Yeah, no, I have a I have a portfolio and 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 and. It, um, I never to kind of talk about my portfolio because it doesn't matter what mine is. I have a very different circumstance than a lot of people. That mm -hmm. There's young people watching your show. There's older people. And I would never say to uh, for one person to follow the advice of somebody like me and say all in on one thing. Mm -hmm. I do believe Bitcoin. And could, I, I could be wrong. Okay? I don't think I am. But I do <laughs> believe it will be the number one performing asset for maybe forever, like it's going for, for, for a long time. I mm -hmm. think it's, a, but, but more importantly, I believe it's the only thing that can change, that can change a structure from one system to another without revolution or war. That, that, um, and that's more and more important. I have, uh, I have lots of other investments because I, because I invest in technology companies. I start technology companies. I have, uh, so I have a lot of other investments. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, I didn't come for. I didn't come to Bitcoin. If Bitcoin went to zero for me. Um, it'd be okay. Um, it would be okay from a monetary standpoint. It wouldn't be okay from what what I know would happen next. From an idealistic point of view, it would not. <laughs> it's, it's a really bad thing. It's uh -huh. it's it's a really important uh, it's a really important concept. That was that was fascinating. I think uh, it's it's great to end it here. Uh, there's you know uh, I I don't want to steal more of your time, but it was really really great to have you uh, on the show, Jeff. Thank you very much. And if you want to uh, let the the uh, the relay community and especially the, you know the the European Bitcoin community any uh, anything um, uh, know, then uh, yeah you know your your time. Uh, thank, well, no, thanks for having me. I'm in Europe for the next month and a half, um, traveling with my family. Um, but uh, but thanks for thanks for having me. This was great. Right. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're in Barcelona now, I think you, you said, and uh, kind of uh, hopping some different uh, spots in Europe. Uh, have fun. And if, if you need any tips or something, uh, let me know. It was really a pleasure to having you on, Jeff. Have a, have a great rest of the year traveling around with your family and uh, talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye. See ya. Thank <music> you.